0: Yeah, nothing says welcome home like a good boat dog on a ferry, but you, you don't want to eat that until about halfway across, so you make it home in time in case. Yeah, that's a,
1: my max is five boat dogs in one sitting. Oh, wait a minute, we're rolling. Oh, all right. Well, let's roll.
0: Hi, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, Two Guys, Guys on, on Block Island.
1: Island. What shall we do with truck all right. Welcome, listeners. Uh, we have a uh, guest today who is a dear friend of mine. I've known her for years, years and years and years. Uh, I think we met my first summer on Block Island, which would have been 1996. And uh, she was a dynamic personality then. And she continues to be just a little ray of sunshine, basically all the way around. Of course, talking about my friend, Allie Kylie. Hi, Allie.
2: Hey Mark, how you doing?
0: Good. Hi, hey Rich.
1: Hi Allie. And to be perfectly honest, I hardly know Allie at all. Yeah, yeah. Which is surprising.
0: Well, we've be- we've we, we passed on the island, you know, it was one of those hello, how you doing? And but we you know, our work circles never really overlap too much. So yeah. I'm glad to be uh I'm glad to be a learner in this episode yeah. more. It's,
1: uh, well I'm know. glad that this uh podcast could be a a place for you to meet such a great person. Awesome. Well. So uh yeah. So oh, you were talking to me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha, Allie. You're welcome for having been introduced to Rich. Now uh, I'm starstruck. I know. Truly. I know. <laughs> it's kind of a lot, isn't it? To be. Um, let's get right to it with you. Sure. So the you know basic question we ask all of our guests. The first question is, what's your connection to Block Island? When did you get there? How did you get there? Blah blah blah.
2: All right. Well. The first time I was on Block Island, I do not remember. I'm taking my parents' word for it. I was two weeks old, so um, about mid-April, 1978. Wow. So, yep.
1: So you were just like, it's always been a part of your life.
2: It has always been. Always been.
1: And who are your parents?
2: Um, Well, my mom is Lulu Kylie, and my dad was Dick Kylie. Okay.
1: And your dad was the first warden for a number of years
2: um, he was he was first warden um, for three years he sadly passed away in the middle of his second term but yeah. he did a lot in those three years and um, he was also the lobbyist for Block Island prior to that Okay, so he has a lot of connections and is always he was always rooting for Block Island and um, you know all the businesses out there and he was an advocate of you know the environment and also um, you know, like the Linda family and the fairies and, you know, good friends with Frankie Debiaz and yeah. I- everybody
1: from every, yeah. He,
0: and I remember he's up there on my list of best first wardens, I gotta say, you oh, know, it, you. and I think it, it just seemed like, you know, nothing against, well, sure. Whatever against the people now, but <laughs> it just seemed like, you know, it was smooth. He got things done and, but you know, always had the smile and kindness, but yet, it got done. But, you know, he didn't have a very uh,
1: in-your-face way about it, but yet he made sure things happened. And I, yeah. I liked him a lot. Thank you. I, Me too. I think that he's on the top of a lot of people's lists as far as best first wardens go. There's not too many people that I've spoken with that are like, oh, that, that Dick Kylie man, he, he really dropped the ball. You know, it's... And I think it's like... I don't think too many people love politicians in general. And I don't think there's necessarily a lot of really good ones out there but your dad was a politician in the best sense of the word you know what i mean
2: well thank you yeah Yeah. i i think so too and um you know i I might be a little biased yeah but um i do i think he really was a very selfless person and he truly always wanted to make you know a best case scenario for everything and everyone and his heart was you know in it on block island for sure
1: and he's kind of got an interesting backstory as well can we talk about do you mind if we talk about your dad for a little bit no not at all so what was his story when did he end up on block island how did he get out there
2: so my grandparents um in the 40s they had a boat and their friends they would kind of cruise and when not a lot of people were cruising to block island my grandparents would which i unfortunately never met those grandparents my dad's parents
1: and where were they from
2: Rhode Island, like Pawtucket, Rhode Island area. Okay, so yep. Come down. Yeah. You know, I think Andre might be from that area. Yeah. He, yeah.
1: yeah. He actually <laughs> mentioned that, you know, this,
0: he's yeah. like the third yeah. first warden on Block Island from, from Pawtucket. Pawtucket. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Something in the water there, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um. Yeah. So um, when my dad and his brother were young, they came over with their parents and they would bring the boat over to Payne's Dock and, you know, the, The pond was pristine and they would jump off the pilings and jump off the boat. And then my grandparents fell in love with it and they ended up purchasing property in the mid-40s. And then, um, you know, my dad just kind of grew up summering there. Prior to them purchasing the property, though, they used to rent the entire Sheffield house for the whole summer. And they lived in the Sheffield house
0: um, well, that's cool. Wow. Yeah.
2: So instead of just weekends or, you know, three night minimum or yeah. whatever, it was the whole summer. And they,
0: that's a good sized place, were, too. Yeah. 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 And that was mm. fashionable back then. P- people did rent for the summer. They Absolutely. would be like, how much is the cottage for the season? And they would just rent it and, We've talked in the past about the daddy boat, the family would stay oh, yeah. And the, the dads would, you know, run back and forth.
2: Yeah, Sunday night going home and Friday coming in and
0: I was just going through a bunch of uh, old photos and we have some uh, we're lucky enough to have some video as well of my family back in those days. And they were actually water skiing around Payne's Dock. I mean, that's how few boats were in there. You know, you they could actually yeah. come in and land right up on the beach by dead eyes. Really? Yeah. There was no boats in there at all. It was just the boats on the dock and the rest of it was pretty much wide open. And, you know, wow. even up into the 60s, I think it was still pretty. So, uh,
2: you know, what's cool is uh, my grandfather used to video everything back then on like, it was it eight mil or something. Yeah. Eight mil, yeah. I mean, yeah. Eight you know? mil. So my sister, Kristen, she converted all these videos to DVDs but my grandfather videoed everything on Block Island in like the 40s and early 50s and we have loads and loads of images and video. More sunsets than you could shake a stick oh, wow. at. Wow. Um, the spring house when there were horses up there. My dad used to go up and ride the horses. They used to play like Cowboys and Indians or Cops and Robbers on horseback all over the island, and the only rule was they had to close gates when they were kids. Um
0: Reasonable. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. I know. So the so, other horses yeah. didn't get out. Yeah. You so know?
2: It, it was like <laughs> not just,
0: much to ask. Yeah, no, right. yeah.
2: Right. You can
0: go anywhere you want, just <laughs> close the gate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Sounds good.
2: I mean, imagine being a kid, you know, and doing that when you're Ugh. like 12 years old and perusing the island with just rolling hills and stone walls everywhere, and
0: ah, those videos, I'd love to see them someday. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a few converted too, and you know, I get so excited to show my friends, and I and I pull out the videos on DVD now, and they, I'm I'm expecting to be excited about Block Island. And they go your family could afford a camera <laughs> and it's true yeah. you know we were yeah. lucky to have family that had a, right. an eight
1: millimeter camera you right know, absolutely they, not everybody had one so what did your dad do uh for work back in the day
2: oh man what didn't my dad do well he went to providence college and he was a social worker so that was his degree he really liked people and he really enjoyed helping people like in an honest-to-goodness way, not just to get something out of it. He really wanted to see everyone to their true potential and, like, legit happy. Like, you know, he—that was his favorite thing in the world, was to make somebody smile or laugh, um, you know, and just be happy. So he started out kind of as a social worker, um, and then he was also a state representative in Rhode Island for 17 years. He was the deputy speaker of the House— Um, and he also had a nightclub, um, in Rhode Island called the edge and January's. So he, he was into, you know, entered again, making people happy, you know, you know, maybe by way of a cocktail this time. Hey, nothing wrong with that or
1: or three. (laughs) And one of the people that we knew, uh, that we have interviewed on, on the podcast that was very happy. Uh, working for your dad was Dan Cahill.
2: Oh my god, I love him.
1: And Dan worked at the Edge mm-hmm. in Januarys, yep. and he's got he had uh great stories to tell from from that place. And um, you know, so so how long did he run those clubs?
2: Um, truthfully, I don't know how long he did. I would imagine maybe somewhere like in the eight to ten year. Okay, and that I'd was in the seventies. Yes, right? I'd have to fact check that with my mom. Okay, but.
1: Yeah, we don't, we're all, we're we're about general, we don't have to get super specific. It wasn't
2: like, you know, Yeah, yeah. nothing on our podcast
1: is accurate or true. Okay,
2: oh, thank
0: God. (laughs) You can make up anything you want. That's kind
2: of the only reason I decided to do this. I try
1: to say (laughs) everything like it's fact. (laughs) Yeah, well, if you say it (laughs) with (laughs) enough authority, people just believe (laughs) you. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of a nice thing. It is. So what, so your dad was involved in the nightclub game um was you know that must have been kind of like cool right i mean it was a i'd
2: imagine it was really cool in the 70s i mean that was um yeah you get away with anything disco Disco. i mean it was like disco night at captain nick's but like every night
1: every night yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's pretty okay so then the edge closes down or it it? burnt
2: down actually and there was a little bit of a sad story my um the insurance company thought maybe they did it intentionally and wouldn't um, pay for them to rebuild it.
1: Did they? Uh,
2: no. <laughs> what to this day, this is why. Well, I know you can't smoke indoors anymore, yeah. but for years when you could, my dad was adamant about making sure every single garbage out of every yep. place yeah, was I'm emptied mm-hmm. in case someone ever threw a cigarette butt because that's what started the and fire. That's what it was yeah, uh. and so you know, my dad went in to fight the fire himself. You know, and still um you know, they just didn't believe. So then he he needed to kind of, you know, rethink some things at that time. Um and
0: like paying for insurance.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well he didn't have anything to insure anymore. So he (laughs) was like, see you bye. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um so that's kind of around the time um that he ventured more uh, toward Mystic. So instead of being on mainland Rhode Island, that's when you know an opportunity came about in Mystic, Connecticut. And um, am I okay to say? Daniel, yeah. yeah. Captain Daniel Packer Inn was kind of a uh, falling down old tavern on the uh, banks of the Mystic River. And he bought that in 1979 and brought my mom down here and said, hey, Lulu, I'm gonna make this a restaurant. And I think she c- cried? I think, I think that was the initial reaction. It was like, what are you doing? There were trees growing out of the windows. I mean, you know, kids had thrown rocks at all the windows, so they were broken. And, you know, the fireplaces needed to be redone and the chimneys like bricks were falling out. And my mom was like, either your father's lost it or he has some kind of vision. And I just I'm, I'm not there yet. And luckily
1: <laughs>
0: so, it was the latter. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I go with see both. That's how yeah, I maybe already, a little you know. bit of both. I know this sounds crazy, but <laughs> I got a vision here. Yeah. You know?
1: And there are photos, there's extensive documentation of your uh the rehabilitation of the property uh that your dad did. Yes. Um who helped him out with that, by the way?
2: Well, that was a little bit of a group effort. Um I know I'm trying to think some people a guy named Mark Bolin helped him build it He basically my dad really did a lot of things by hand Um, So he didn't have he wasn't a contractor and he didn't have a contractor, but he would load up we had an old van in Rhode Island in Pawtucket and He would leave at the time. I think it was just my mom and me I was little like one my brother, you know wasn't here yet and um He would load up the van with lumber and with tools and he would drive down and work on the Daniel Packer Inn until the lumber and everything was gone. So it could be like, you know, three, four days at a time. And he would actually sleep on a sleeping bag in front of the fireplace and then just get up and work again in the morning. So then when all the when all the supplies were gone, he would drive back to Rhode Island, load up his van again, say hi to my mom and me, and then come on back down. And that was about three and a half years. Um, it took them until we actually opened up.
1: Wow. It, the pictures are unbelievable. When Allie says, you know, oh, they're broken windows. You, I mean, I don't mean, it was almost, were they, um, uh, what's the word? Um,
2: In disrepair? or No, like,
1: uh, condemned, not condem- condemned. They weren't condemned, but I mean, they were, they were in rough shape.
2: It wasn't. I wouldn't recommend just walking in there <laughs> on the floors anywhere <laughs> yeah, without yeah. Um, proper, you know, safety gear. Yeah,
1: but he uh, he did an amazing job saving this building and uh, keeping so much of the original architecture and the stones and the wood and the floors and like it. it wasn't like he just gutted it and started fresh, right? Know? Yeah. So
2: th- that area where DPI is in Mystic, it's in an area called Fort Rachel and that side of um town was kind of like the eh, like the rough part of the neighborhood at that time and my dad was actually um pretty instrumental in like starting to clean up you know Fort Rachel where you know now there's like a boat building area there's um a marina a couple marinas and um some of the houses down there have been restored and it's actually a really cute neighborhood and a cute part of Mystic but um my yeah. My dad, I think some people wanted to tear the DPI down and put condos up because it was in such disrespa- disrepair, not quite, you know, condemnable. But yeah. um, my dad, you know, he saw that there was this beautiful colonial building and he wanted to do everything that he could to kind of, you know, breathe life back into it um, from the original, you know, sea captain, Captain Daniel Packer. Yeah. And um, just cute little story. Um Captain Packer's great granddaughter came to my dad when he first started building it and she said, you know, my great grandfather came to me in a dream last night and he's really bummed out that this place isn't in their family anymore because we're the first family to not be direct descendants of Captain Packer. Oh, wow. So my dad was like, okay, you know, sure, whatever you say. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So- yeah. So my dad was like, well, you know, my plan is to restore it and um, I want to, you know, kind of have travelers um, stopping through just the same way Captain Packer did, you know, when Captain Packer had the rope ferry and people had to get across the Mystic River, you know, my dad didn't do the rope ferry part, but he wanted that same kind of feeling where, you know, passersby could come and enjoy a good meal and, you know, then move on. So, in, in the
1: tradition of true New England inns and yes, that kind
2: of Yeah. That. Um, so she was like, okay. So then the day before he was due to open, which was November 17th of 1983, the day before, the same woman came back. And she said, I just want to let you know, my great-grandfather came to me in my dream again last night and said he's so happy that you've restored his building and he wishes you success from the day you open your doors.
1: Wow. Well, that's uh, that's an endorsement. That's huge. Right? I mean, when the actual Captain Daniel Packer himself comes d- through, you know, d- interdimensionally to... It- to- kin and then passes that message on along,
2: I guess. Yeah, I mean, we didn't need Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost or anything. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was no like what if you looked like Patrick Swayze? Yeah, <laughs> there was no like sexy pottery yeah. going on. Well, that's funny because when I took over Captain Nick's, uh, someone, uh, Captain Nick came to me in a dream. He's like, What are you doing? <laughs> that was it. No, that was it.
0: Yeah, you started to answer and he walked away. He just yeah, he just floated away.
1: Like, grumbled something and walked away.
2: I love Nick DiPetrillo. Yeah. So oh, he I, was, lo- yeah. Uh, love now
1: no. you're the proprietor now of the, uh, and the general man, you're, you're the daily operations person at the da- Daniel Packer. And you run the show.
2: I do. Yeah. I think my dad might've hated me and that's why he left it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, we, We're going to, we do want to get to the, your involvement there and what you're doing these days. Sure. But since we're on, I want to backtrack and stick with your dad for two more seconds because at some point, on Block Island, your dad purchases the Yellow Kittens. What is now the Yellow Kittens? Well, it's always been Yellow Kittens. And yes. Winfields. Yes. Um, when did that happen?
2: Um, I'm pretty sure that was Ish. 1968. If, okay. So if I'm he not mistaken. Had,
1: he had that building. He owned that, and then he was running, also running the clubs up in Pawtucket mm-hmm. concurrently. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Wasn't there a steakhouse in the? in the mix too at some point yeah
2: lulu's Lulu's steakhouse mm-hmm. yeah there was a little a little blip of that Everyone always says, Oh, your dad must have really loved to cook. He had all these restaurants. I'm like, Quite the contrary. My dad couldn't cook and he needed to make places where he could go <laughs> yeah. eat for yeah. free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah.
0: the Lou uh school model. Yeah. yeah Lou Gaffett. Mm-hmm. Well, it worked, yeah. worked for me as well. Seems yeah. slow. Why don't you close for the winter? Well, where would I drink? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> somebody asked me the other day, Why do you love, you love restaurants and bars? Is that why you open? I'm like, Nah, I just couldn't afford my tab anymore. <laughs> it to be cheaper uh, this Cheaper way. to own a bar than to you
2: know It's a write off right when I
0: I made my first visit uh last uh pre pre-pandemic i went to mystic for the first time and went to the the daniel packer for the first time oh wow yeah in that little neighborhood and it was really kind of cool oh you know? fantastic i went in and i started saying you know oh, i'm friends with some of the Kylies, and you know and, and then i could tell by their face it was like yeah and <laughs> yeah you yeah. and see so, everybody else in here they're I'm sitting all sitting there going oh no i'm that guy <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> me when i used to come into my restaurant and I was
1: like, oh i'm sorry never mind don't worry <laughs> well at least it's like you haven't been been working the door like you know at Nick's when I have like when someone comes up it goes yeah I know the owner yeah. yeah yeah where's Mark where's Mark and I'm like yeah he's not here <laughs> my wife's favorite my wife would work the hostess down, and I'd be
0: in the kitchen and she loved this is her favorite line so I'd be like well I'm half hour wait we're friends with the owner is rich back there <laughs> and oh she my was, god she's like um I'm his wife and you know that was and he's like, really dying yeah. to talk to you let mm-hmm. me run and grab yeah, him real quick yeah. 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 but you know Everybody thinks they're special, including me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you, oh, you are. Yeah, you are.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So he. So your dad uh, has yellow kittens. Yes. And yellow kittens was attached to. It wasn't always Winfields. What was it?
2: Um, back then yeah. it was the Cat in the Fiddle. It might have at one point also been like Below decks or something. Because okay. I there's a big sign. I believe is in my brother's house right now um Below decks, unless that was huh. just a sign they had.
1: So, did your dad actively run the Yellow Kittens and the he did the restaurant? So he yes. was managing it, yes, for he a time
2: did. Mm-hmm, prior but, to Ed. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and then when he opened the Edge in Januarys, did he still do both all all of it? Or at that point, when so did... he had a couple
2: partners though at Yellow okay. Kittens. So um I know. Vin McAloon was one of them, and then I believe my uncle Danny was also. And then over time, my dad kind of, you know, bought them out. You know, right? I know Vin's done everything. Love that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: He's a good man. We want to get him on as a guest. Oh my god, he's
2: the best. But um, so then, what kind of happened was the overlap of losing like the edge in Januarys, and then. You know, also having yellow kittens and um, the cat and the fiddle at that time um, when he needed to do the DPI and do all the work there and get that up and running, he didn't have the you know he couldn't do it all basically yeah. which none of us can do it all right so that's when um ed began managing it from my dad okay so to give my dad an opportunity to get dpi off the ground
1: what was some of your like who were some of your friends what were some of your first experiences your first job on the island like oh, what, what were your early years like out there that you can remember my <laughs>
2: early years were awesome and i am so lucky and um, I mean, the Conleys are, you know, my first and foremost, you know, fa- favorite family that I grew up with. You know, Katie Conley, Ned yeah. Conley, um, then you know, Kate Mooney, um, Amy D- Amy Dodge, she's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think, just Kate Hirsch. Yeah. Um, there was a, a slew of us. Well, my name being Allie, I had a lot of friends named Kate. So it was like Kate Hirsch, Kate Mooney, Kate yes. Conley. So it was always Kate and Allie, Kate and Allie, Kate and Allie. Um, so that was fun. We had Kate and Allie, Kate Mooney and I had Kate and Allie babysitting two for the price of one. And we <laughs> we used to make posters as kids. And we'd hang them in all of the real estate offices and, you know, down at Big. And when Seaside was, you know, the old Seaside, we'd make the posters and like just put our phone number on the bottom and cut the little strips oh, yeah. so people could rip them off. Kate and I used to make so much money babysitting when we were like 14 and 15. We would come home and iron it. And my mother would be like, what are you two doing? And we were we had stacks of money from babysitting all oh, the, yeah, because like.
0: And people give good money, they'll give you extra if they feel comfortable, they feel the kid was happy, well, that, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and that's what ended up happening, is they were happy to have two of us, even though we said we were two for the price of one, every single family, I think, you know, was more than generous, See, because...
0: I thought you had a bait and switch going there, I think it was two kids for the price of one, but you meant to get two babysitters <laughs> yeah, two, for the price of one. Two babysitters. Oh, okay, so three kids, it still goes up.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, at one point, I think we had to babysit like seven kids, because like two families were out there yep, yep. and um they between the two of families there were seven kids and you know every year they'd call us back call us back until we didn't do it anymore you know till we got other jobs yeah but um and
1: the till the kids were like 18 yeah and they're, they're like i think you're too old to have kate and, and allie come over now yeah yeah
2: but um no it, it was um it was awesome it was fantastic i mean growing up on the beach playing volleyball you know playing in the water and learning how to surf and, you know, hiking all over the island. Um, I think, you know, my favorite place is like hiking the Gaffney Trail. I love that. It's just beautiful. And
1: and that's how you and I met actually through Kate Mooney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. because her dad, Mike, and your dad were.
2: Very good friends. Best
1: buddies, yeah. right?
2: Mike Mooney was the best man in my mom and dad's wedding.
1: And they were lifeguards together. Weren't they way back in? Yes. When? Yeah. yeah. And I think I remember the story. Mayor man, correct me if I'm wrong. Did your dad and and Mike were they the first two guys that mm, rented, I know you're going to say it. R- rented mopeds on Block Island? Maybe. It's okay. No, it's okay because yes they did, but then what happened? What's the story with that?
2: Is it something like the gremlins happen where you add water to them and they start to, like, <laughs> <hunt> around. <laughs> <and it's> like,
1: <laughs> well, but, okay. So the story that I heard, and again, this is why we have this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're dispelling myths. Mm-hmm. We're confirming some, maybe. No, but the story- Making I, stuff up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The story I heard was that your dad and Mike were like, hey, mopeds, these little scooter things, that would be cool, right? They good. got the
2: idea. I think my dad got it because in Bermuda, I think there's a lot of mopeds- and he had visited Bermuda and was like, man, you know, these would be really cool on block. Right. You and know? so
1: I think they did follow through and they, they did bought a few yeah. mopeds. Right. And brought them out. And then, again, back in whenever this was the late 60s, early 70s, before anyone, you could literally like, again, Lou Gavitt, like, you know, you just open a bar like in your garage right. and start having people over. Um you know, I, I'm sure there was no licensing or anything. It was just like, hey, I'm going to do this or that. But anyways, it lasted for a little while. And then I heard that the town was like, look, this is just, you know, there are people are crashing this and that. And they voluntarily said, all right, we just won't do it anymore.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Right. But those were the mopeds, too, back in the day where I believe you actually like had to pedal yeah, them, the, to like the moped. Pedal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, the actual yep. ped part of the moped. Right. Yes. Yeah. So.
0: But you see, and that's where, uh, you know, I'm not picking anybody, but that's where the town had its window. Like they should have, they had a nice cooperative person like your dad who said, you know what? You're right. Let's not, you know, this isn't a good thing. We'll take it away. Mm -hmm. That should have been their window to be prepared for what was coming. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know,
1: they, well, and like, you know, beyond all that, I mean, what a testament to your dad where I'm sure they were probably making decent money on it and the, you know, if the, the town said, look, you know, please, this is not good for us. And they said, OK, and they just did something else. So, you know, I think that's like speaks to. Well, there's
0: a conscience there. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I that's mean. The, yeah. it, it, if it sounds to me like your dad, his whole life was about helping people and making people have a good time and dying isn't part of a good time or getting in <laughs> an accident. Yeah. So I think yeah. he probably figured it probably dovetailed nicely in the way yeah. he thinks to say, you know what, this is it seems like a good time. And it should be,
1: but occasionally yeah. it's not. And I don't, you know, yeah. I don't like that. And I mean, we could go down the moped rabbit hole forever, but we're not going to do that. But thank you for clearing that up for us. Of course. You were a lifeguard as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, right. I was.
1: Okay. So tell us about your lifeguarding days.
2: Um, I loved it. I love lifeguarding. Um, Did
1: you ever save anybody?
2: I did. Um, I got out to where they were and they were kind of flailing and I, you know, took the rescue board out there And I was very prepared to, you know, get them into shore safely. And then I said, put your feet down because the the wave had gone away. And at that point they could stand up.
1: (laughs) And then you just started giving them mouth to mouth.
2: I mean, you, you yeah. know, we don't talk about it that much, but but a, you just little, wanted to be make
1: sure mm, they that, were that the, they were still
2: breathing. The, yeah, yes, yeah. good. Yeah. That's because you're a professional. I, yes, I just was doing my due diligence and mm-hmm. um, attention
1: to detail. That's
2: correct. I yeah. didn't want to get fired from the the squad.
1: Right, but no, Cause it, that it must have gr- been tough to get <laughs> fired. Right.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, when you had housing, right. it was, you were kind of golden. Who
1: was your boss?
2: Who was my boss? Um, I know. Um, I'm trying to think if Dennis was the boss then. Dennis oh Nernick, yeah, that's or, right. I'm trying to think if Mike O'Brien was the boss then, and then also Daryl came into play. At yeah, some well, point. he he rented all the equipment. Oh,
0: okay, he did. Yeah, a, he did yeah. the
2: umbrellas and the chairs and everything. And then Jared Chorney was also my boss one year. I'm trying to think how many years I lifeguarded, four or five, I think. Um, but no, it was great. I would ride my bike down to the beach. We would have to um either paddle the rescue board or the kayak around the green buoy every day and then we would have to run all the way down to Pots and kettles and back every day wow i was like in really I good
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> i i mean i was it was like i was like real pam anderson in you know Baywatch pretty much yeah I mean
1: I'll attest to that because like we hung out that you know during those summers and I saw you on the volleyball you were you and Kate Hirsch I think the two of you were kind of like you got like you were making yeah you were making the dudes like nobody want like sweat a little bit when when you guys got on the court
2: one I remember vividly Kate and I were playing like it was two on two and this guy came up to the net because everyone would kind of like you know, sit around or stand around. This guy came up to me. and He's like, with thighs like that, you could jump over the net. And wow. I was like, oh, with thighs hmm. like this, I could kick your you know what.
1: <laughs> ass?
2: Yes, that. You can, you can yeah, say ass. I can say ass. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I have a tendency to curse a lot. I'm trying to keep,
1: keep it, <laughs> keep it tight. What, oh, <laughs> yeah, no. You can say whatever you want. Know.
2: Um, but then also, I remember vividly, we were moving the lifeguard chairs one day, and I Like my back went out and I was supposed to work at Winfield's that night and my back was killing me and I had to call out of work, which I rarely did. And everyone was mad at me. Mike Cudlack was mad at me. Annie Hall was mad at me. Everyone was mad at me. This happened to be the first annual Awards that you did, Mark. Oh, the Bippy Awards. Yeah.
1: Block Island People of the Year Awards.
2: Yeah. (laughs) At Captain Nick's. And you were like, you're getting like female volleyball player of the year. And there was like a hundred (laughs) dollar prize. So he's like, you got to come out. And I was like, oh, I was so torn because I'm like, I called out of work
1: And then I'm gonna (laughs) go over To Captain Nick Get my hundred bucks
2: I did a shot Of Jaeger I did go down I made myself do a shot So I Like the pain would go away And I'm like You know A hundred dollar bill Is not that heavy I you know I I can lift that up I just can't lift Like a tray Were you
1: Were you (laughs) upset When I paid you In quarters (laughs) (laughs) Was it
2: quarters I thought it was nickels It was an IOU It was Well I remember Annie Hall Coming over to spy on me (laughs) And I felt so bad i was like oh man this looks terrible i'm like but it's i just wanted to be there for like mark and i get my prize and i'm like then i went home but like i felt guilty man i felt so i still feel guilty
0: well <laughs> okay. you, you that's because you're a good person you are yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can tell from this conversation i've already learned you're very hard work i mean you just said you would lifeguard by day and then go and work at night at a restaurant i mean that's a long day of work
2: then i had cocktail waitress at night then on my two days off i worked for rick villa at the time for resort air and i took care of the horses i gave krista riding lessons and i booked um the five passenger twin engine seneca three um and to give it's a mouthful yeah at the time you know when rick and robin were still married like to give her a break and everything and um you use your days off to
1: give someone else a day off that's right yeah 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 very nice so i think now might be a good time for us to take a break and uh hear from uh hear about a few of our sponsors all right let's do it
0: All right, here's a great activity you don't want to miss on your next visit to Block Island. Exploring the Great Salt Pond in a kayak from Fort Island Kayaks. The Great Salt Pond is one of Block Island's true gems and I would say one of the most beautiful harbors in all of New England. Now, I know I said kayak, but Fort Island Kayaks has stand-up paddle boards, Hobie pedal boards, as well as kayaks in all different sizes. I'm pretty sure they've even added the triple cedar and a peekaboo glass bottom kayak. You can rent by the hour, half day, full day, or even an entire week. Explore the hidden coves of the pristine inner ponds. Find your own little spot to take a dip or soak up some sun there's spectacular scenery around every bend and you will get some views of the island you really can't see any other way whether you're flying solo or with the whole family make sure this is one on your to-do list oh yeah here's a tip if your group is six or more you definitely want to reserve in advance fort island kayaks is operated by our friends over at block island fishworks and is located right next door for rates availability and reservations visit their website at bifishworks.com or give them a call at 401-466-5392 so, Mark, I wonder if with that glass bottom kayak, you could find maybe Captain Kidd's treasure or something. Oh,
1: that's exciting, right? You could uh, turn your afternoon into a treasure hunt. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Those pedal boards look really cool, too. A bicycle on the water. What will they think of next? Ugh, modern science. Whether it's your first time to the island or you're a seasoned vet, next time you're booking a vacation, before you do, check out the Neptune House Resort. It's really an amazing place to stay. Their 23 modern condo-style units have full kitchens outfitted with everything, including full-size refrigerators. The Neptune House Resort offers studios, one-bedrooms, and two-bedroom units available April through October. The views are spectacular, and the property has so many amenities to offer. There's a heated pool, tennis courts, gas grills, picnic tables. There's even a game room with a pool table. Sammy and the rest of the staff are there for you if you need anything. Look, we all know location is key. That's another reason to make the Neptune House your next stay on Block Island. It's tucked away from the hustle and bustle, but still a short walk to Old Harbor Ferry's restaurant, shops, beaches, and live entertainment. After a day at the beach and exploring the island, what could be better than a dip in the pool and sitting on the deck watching a Block Island sunset? Check out the views and all the Neptune House has to offer online at neptunehouse.com. You know, my family came out to visit once and stayed at the Neptune House and they couldn't say enough nice things about it. You know, it's kind of got everything you need,
0: and the views from those upper decks are spectacular, and oh my God, it's heated pool. so
1: nice, heated pool. You had me at heated. Yeah, I'm there. Let's get our <laughs> bathing suits on now.
0: Whether you're experienced or a beginner, fishing on Block Island is one of the greatest experiences you can have. Our friends at BI Fishworks are there to make sure it's great. Block Island Fishworks offers charter trips for whatever you're after. Striped bass, bluefish, fluke, sea bass, bonita, you name it and they know how to catch it. If you're into light tackle fishing and fly fishing, Captain Chris does morning charters for up to three people. If your group's a little larger, climb aboard the Harley with Captain Hank. And the Harley does half and full day trips for up to six people. If boats are not your thing, then there are plenty of great spots to fish from shore. Block Island Fishworks has everything you need. They have a great selection of equipment, tackle, and plenty of tips and pointers on when and where to go and what the fish are biting. The shop, located at 40 Ocean Avenue, is open daily in season. While you're there, check out the great shirts, hats, hoodies, and a bunch of other great stuff. To book a charter, get info on the shop, check out their merch, and all things
1: fishing, visit their website at BIFishworks.com. You know, Mark, I love fishing with those guys. You ever been out with them? Oh, my God. A number of times, actually. And you know what? Every single time... We've caught fish. It's worth the trip just to spend a half a day with Hank. Hank is a force of
0: nature, as we know. Yeah, he's great. And you know what? A lot of times your fishing trip can include a buzz by or even a quick tour of the, of the wind farm, which is pretty awesome.
1: And you know what? The, the, the greatest thing about Fishworks is that they have everything you need. Every, everything.
0: Do hems have you down? Are you missing a button? Well, find the perfect fit with the traveling seamstress, Elizabeth Doherty. The Traveling seamstress can repair zippers and buttons or patch and mend most fabrics, including denim, which is good news for your favorite jeans. Getting married on Block Island? The Traveling seamstress can say yes to helping you with your dress. She can even steam and press your tux. Slip covers, curtains, draperies, and custom dye work are just a few of Liz's specialties. She can even make cushions for your home or your boat. The Traveling seamstress is located at 442 Dodge Street by the Four Corners with regular hours May through November and limited wintertime hours. No project is too big, too small, or too weird. So visit Liz, the Traveling Seamstress, and follow her on Instagram at Traveling Seamstress. Phone number seven one seven nine one nine five zero five seven. 717-919-5057. You know, I'm thinking of having some drapes made for the house.
1: I've never even had to go to a seamstress before. Well, let me tell you something. I actually have a true story for you. I had this sweater, right? And it was like, not a expensive sweater. It was just a cheap mall sweater, but it was my favorite sweater. And I got a hole in the sleeve, and liz patched it up it's as good as new it's like in fact it's better than it was
0: all
1: right so now we know you
0: (laughs) we know you were lifeguard and cocktail waitressing i how many years to what age how long did you maintain your summer life on block island because that's always the the there's Mm -hmm. a there's often a tragedy not everybody like me just you know, drops out of society and stays and never leaves after they get out of high school. So what'd you do? So this is high school age doing all we were just talking about? Yeah, you pretty much okay. um
2: I started lifeguarding when I was eighteen. Um and then I worked in, you know, Winfields, I worked at Yellow Kittens. And then um at age twenty three, um, you know, pretty tragically the August of my 23rd summer on Black Island, that's when my dad ended up passing away. So, um, you know, I finished up the summer out there. And then um, I came back to the mainland to finish college at URI. And I also began helping my mom, you know, run the Daniel Packer Inn here in Mystic. So I was full-time student. I was the captain of the equestrian team at school and working like four or five days a week at the restaurant to help my mom.
0: So not a whole lot of time on video
1: games. No. Okay. I
2: mean, yeah. I'm
1: ashamed of myself. <laughs> I'm I'm ashamed when I hear <laughs> something like that. And in prior, your dad was managing, running the DPI.
2: Yes, he was so he, was he would,
1: boots on the ground he, there.
2: He did have a general manager, right. a gal named Kelly, and she was fantastic. And um, you know, she really um made it so my dad could try to relax a little he was 63, you know, when he passed, but he um, had had heart disease and heart attacks. And his doctor said, you know, you really need to like, kind of pump the brakes a little bit. And um, so Kelly really enabled my dad to ensure that he could take some time off and really have some R&R and, you know, appreciate and live his life instead of, you know, yeah.
0: working all the yeah. time. Yeah. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Especially p- pumping the brakes. If it's if you're if you love what you're doing and it, and you're busy busy busy, it's not that easy, you know. Yeah. It's uh, I do know. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's hard. It's really
2: hard to not do anything when you're, you know, used to go go go. You just feel a little like a fish out of water. Yeah. You know? but yeah. I'm practicing relaxing.
1: Yeah, well, it does. I, I, I've I, this past winter over the, you know, uh, throughout the, uh, you know, pandemic, winter, or whatever this hibernation period, whatever it is, right? Um, you know, I, I ditched, I got rid of three restaurants over the last year. And talk about I mean, that's what I'm in the middle of now is just going from like 100 miles an hour to zero. And your brain just goes, goes crazy. And you have to find ways to like, make your brain do things (laughs) i related to like
2: a a train like a really long long train with a lot of cars just moving along like out west and hauling and then all of a sudden you jack on the brakes and all the cars are just like (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you're like trying to you know you're trying to handle that yeah and uh It is funny. Some people are very good at relaxing and some of us, it takes, it takes work to relax. How ironic is that? (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) Now, did you, so that was your last summer as a summer worker on Black Island?
2: It was. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you still go out, of course.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, um, I, I loved and would never trade it for the world, like being out there till age 23, but there is something to be said for going out there and like not having to be like, Oh it's Sunday I gotta leave because I gotta go to work at five you know there's really something to be said that you don't have you know because you know the old saying like a taste of honey is worse than none at all like that's kind of how it was on Block Island like you enjoy everything but you enjoy it for a second because then you got to go here you got to go there and um, now being somebody who can go and I don't have to rush to work and you know um,
0: I, I get it I, I've said that you know in a different way but like like to me going to Mystic is nice going to but I feel like I'm never I don't want to sound like a baby but you just I'll never get to feel that feeling that because I live there and work there I'll never get to feel the feeling of but that boat pulling in and knowing I'm there for a week and right. all I have to do is what's for dinner and where's the beach exactly yeah yeah, you know?
2: yeah. yeah a good feeling even though i
0: hate the beach i'll,
2: t- I'll tell you a lot <laughs> like i'll tell you all about it yeah uh no it's a it's a very good feeling it, it's uh
1: so now when you come out to block island <clears throat> excuse me what is your uh general routine you guys come out on the boat
2: You're... um sometimes we come out on the ferry sometimes we come out on our boat and sometimes i fly i the convenience of flying is fantastic you know i can leave work and in 12 minutes i'm at the airport in 12 more minutes i'm on you know block you know maybe having a margarita at los gatitos it's, or Payne's dock it, it's,
1: it's one of the really nice things mm-hmm. about the mystic block island connection and there, Absolutely. wouldn't you say there is a very real block island mystic kind of Link. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. I mean, yeah. i i I was brought to Mystic uh, by my wife, Katie, who mm-hmm. was living here, and we met on Block Island. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I got here and started hanging out in Mystic, I was like, "Whoa, there's this person from Block Island, that person from this. so exactly. there's, there's this weird li- and Westerly as well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But there's this weird little exchange like between the two places. So it's kind of like you see the same faces.
2: It's you know? cool because there is there is still that tight knit community like Block has and everything. Um, But you can you have the luxury of getting on, you know, 95 and, you know, cruising out of town. Yeah. Um, But that
1: airport, too, is that's huge to be able to like I mean, it made my life completely a million percent better just knowing that I could, you know.
2: Now instead of miss the boatophobia phobia, I have missed the planophobia.
1: phobia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, the only phobia I have is when you get if just don't show up a, a little too late. you get a lot of stink eye, right. little attitude. Or yeah.
2: I don't hate it so much when I wake up in the morning on block and I know I have to be at work at DPI. But I'm like, oh, would you look at that fog bank?
1: And oh, I guess I'm <laughs> not gonna make not it that
2: Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> I could get on the boat, but then I don't know how I'm gonna get my car.
0: I bought a fog machine. I just fog around my house so right. I can use that excuse. Yeah. I can't
1: make it to that doctor's appointment. Got a lot of fog around the house. A lot yeah. of fog fog. Yeah. I just show them an inside, a picture of the inside of my brain. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. how do you get anywhere ever? Um, let's talk about, see, we're all three of us are restaurant industry Veterans, in a sense. Yeah. Let's let's talk restaurants now. You you come in uh, to the DPI after the the loss of your dad. Your mom's running it, and um, what what was it like? I mean, coming in there and just like, first of all, the the history of the place, the emotional connection you had. I mean, your dad poured his heart and soul to the place, Um, and then just the overall insanity of the restaurant business. I can't imagine what that time period must have been like for you to like transition into and get your feet wet and and kind of get a hold of the reins. Like, what was that like?
2: Well, the good news is I grew up working there all through um, like middle school right. and high school. Because so it's not like
1: you didn't know where all the light switches yeah, were. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Because there's no child labor laws when it's your family.
1: Ah. Your dad was know, a smart guy. I don't
2: know who made that rule. Up. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
0: those um, rule, those laws dude, are funny. I yeah, bet you, know, you I bet you, it was somebody's parents.
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry,
0: you're 16. You can't use that meat slicer. But here's <laughs> yeah. the keys to a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here's your permit. Yeah.
2: What? Yeah. So I, I grew up, you know, bussing tables, and then, yeah. um, you know, was a, a server, um. When I started helping my mom, I was um, at URI at school, and my degree was in communications and international and intercultural business communication, with a minor in French, which I haven't practiced in a long time. So don't ask me to say anything in French. We, 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 yes. Um, so I started out at DPI, and um, I kind of gravitated toward the wine portfolio. <laughs> um, I, you know, it was just seemed like a natural fit. From a consumer natural, end or yeah. from a, <laughs> provider. It was like a natural <laughs> fit. Um, so I ended up taking like a eight week um, intensive like wine course. And then I started marketing wine dinners and working with the chef and working with local farmers and putting on seasonal wine dinners and then um, you know, pairing The food menu along with our wine list. um, And we ended up getting like a few awards. And then um, I don't know, I started managing people and my communication skills, which to this day, I use at least one or two tools that I learned in college I use in, um, you know, conflict resolution or, you know, just um dealing with, you know, multicultural people that I work with and understanding like their perspective, um, you know, from a cultural aspect. Yeah. So it helps me listen and it helps me, you know, manage people. So my mom and then the other gal, Kelly, um, who was the GM at the time, they were kind of like, geez, you're weirdly good at this. But I actually.
1: <laughs> what a compliment! I, and, yeah, right? yeah. Huh? Jeez, we didn't we didn't really <laughs> expect wow. it, did you.
2: <laughs> they're they're like, geez, we don't have to do this anymore. You can do it. <laughs> um, but I I had actually gone to audition when um when Kathy Lee left the Regis and Kathy Lee show. I went to New York because I was wanted to be like a newscaster, and I auditioned for that position. But Kelly Ripa got it. So oh, I ended up falling back on. Did the they have airs. like
1: open auditions How, like anyone could go went, audition for the show? Yeah,
2: I went to Manhattan and well, I did prior to that when I was a senior I in high school, I had to do a senior project and I worked for 2020 in Good Morning America. So I oh. kind of had like a little bit of you know I, I kind of wanted to be in the city and in you know media and everything. But I don't know. The cards just didn't play out. I don't think I'm regimented enough for it anyway. I don't yeah. think I would have been good at it.
1: Did but. you know Stassi Heropolis? No. How about Geraldo Rivera? Yes. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um.
2: Joan, I met Joan London. Um. I'm trying to think. The more of like the producers and stuff. It was like yeah. more like back. Um, the
1: back end side back of end. the business. Yeah. yeah.
2: But um, it was a really great experience you know, to be 18 and living in the city and working yeah. for ABC. That's then, cool. Yeah.
0: How, how can I go back just a sure, teeny bit? Yeah. So you, you talked about this restoration. I'm was mystic. Very cool. Did they, were they happy to see this building being saved and restored rather than tore down? Is it not in the historic district or is it?
2: Oh yeah, it is. Okay. Um, it is. They were happy, you know, um, mystic historical registry, um, other local businesses like, Places that were inns were happy to have another restaurant in town. So they had a, something to offer their guests coming to stay, you know, at the local inns. Um, and then what was really huge is my dad. He was one of like the pioneers in getting local music. So DPI had music on the weekends a lot. And kind of how it evolved is... um We just I started getting you know more and more people interested in playing and I was like well I can't you know take the people who've been playing on the weekends and kind of kick them out, you know So I just started expanding the days that we had music So it turned into you know Friday Saturday then it was Thursday Friday Saturday and then before you knew it it was Monday through Sunday, so um that's one of my favorite parts too i I love the music aspect of it. I love um having people come in it's It's a quaint enough venue where um if a musician is down in there, you're not feeling like you're playing to an empty room, even if there's only two people in there
0: <laughs> right yeah,
2: I mean, I'm not a musician. I didn't get that gene um, but I would imagine that it's still um it's still cozy enough where it's a good experience for them, especially coming onto the music scene. But it's true. Is it true? I can attest to that. Yeah.
1: He thinks he has a music gene. Yeah. Yeah. It's in there (laughs) somewhere. Yeah. You You, were actually stupid. You were actually stupid enough to hire me like a few times.
2: I love it. You know what I loved is I loved when we did the, uh, the piano, the dueling pianos. Upstairs. That was fun it was with like a, Dave left. A Lefkin. year ago.
1: I know. It was a year I ago know. this past February.
2: It was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. love well, do it again. It was fun. Yeah. It was very fun. But
1: it's true. That pub area down, downstairs, the quote unquote basement, I guess you would call yeah. it. right The ground floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great, like it's it's this cozy little yeah I like nook it. with the fireplace and like it's just like, moody it's moody it's yeah. but in a, in the best way like you can kind of just sink into that I think when people in their minds have this little vision of oh we're gonna go to a quaint New England town and eat at a quaint little New England pub that's what they're picturing yeah you know? I would it, agree yeah yeah it's great and it's true it's like I've some of my best nights there that when I would play piano there it was like. There would be, like, four or five people there. Right. I didn't care. Like, because between songs, you're just talking to the customers, and they're like, what do you want to hear? And right. then it's just like you're playing for friends, you know? It's a yeah. great room. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, And you've done a great job with the schedule there, booking everybody. You've got great talent, and, you know, you've had some, like, nights form there and right. bands. I think you, like—
2: Mystic Dead. Mystic Dead, yeah. yeah. and then— um, We used to have this one band on Sundays. They were called Incognito Sofa Love. Yes. And they were radical. And then they kind of disbanded. And I was like, oh gosh, like that, you can't replace them. Like, what the heck? So then I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, Sunday nights were reggae night at Kittens. I'm like, how about I find like someone to do reggae? But it's hard to get a reggae band to play in that little pub. So the only night that we have a DJ is actually Sunday. Um, But I called WRIU and I was like, hey, who do you have that like DJ's reggae? And they gave me um, this gentleman, Corey's number. And um, he actually um, owns Looney Tunes now in Wakefield. Mm -hmm. And um, he DJs on Sunday nights, reggae, old school hip hop. And it is absolutely perfect. And what's so great is kind of like Sundays and Mondays on Block Island having, you know, the industry nights. It's it's such a sweet vibe, and everyone's so friendly and so happy, and it's a lot of locals, and it's it's the industry people, and it's one of the best. I don't know, best nights.
0: How how old's the building?
2: About two hundred and fifty plus. So originally wow. seventeen fifty four. So whatever twenty twenty one minus seventeen fifty
1: four is. And how did you uh, how did you do with the whole? COVID thing like how was how this past year I mean I know it's not great Ugh. but I mean you got through it you're still here
2: I am still here um, well the trick is um, trying to stay happy and stay positive and not be controlling over things you can't control and which
1: is good advice for anyone in the restaurant game right even not during a pandemic but
2: right so um, I just tried to be as informed and as proactive and safe as possible and followed all the guidelines. Um, And, you know, when we were allowed to do curbside, we did that. When we were allowed to open up to partial capacity, we did that. Um, And we're just, you know, waiting and we're grateful that people are getting their, you know, vaccines and, you know, the sun's coming out again. And, you know, hopefully we can get past this here.
1: I hope Um, so. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, do you we we were talking a little bit earlier, and I want to get in the show. Do you want to give a little shout out? Did you just uh, you you just scored something from Bar?
2: I did. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of over the moon about it. Um, despite my calm demeanor, which I've been getting <laughs> a lot of backlash about not being excited when I got the call. I'm being excited,
0: looking excited <laughs> um, is overrated. Yeah, That's how yeah. you feel, Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I was like, geez. Uh, so yeah, I. DPI was selected to be the recipient of the Barstool Fund. So, um, Very a, huge, nice. a huge shout out to uh, Dave Portnoy and you know, Barstool Sports. Yeah. Um, that was,
0: and what are was they, amazing. And what do they do that you just, you know, we'll give them a free quick plug because I think it's a great thing they're doing and it's yeah. really helping out.
2: Um, sure. So, from what I understand, they kind of felt as though, um, restaurants, which make up a huge part of our. Society and nat- nationwide. Yeah. yeah, that too. There's a lot of um, a lot of jobs. You know, a lot of employment. A lot of revenue is generated through restaurants. And um, i I think that this fund. They thought maybe the government wasn't quite doing enough to help people, and they they raised money and had you know listeners and donors um, create a fund. I think it right now it's over 37 million. Was the last time I checked. Um, and my, my assistant manager, Pam Bertagna, I have to say, um, if it weren't for her, I never would have even applied. I just, I feel like I don't really win anything. And I know, you know, you can't win if you don't play, I I get it. (laughs) But I'm like, I was tired. I was tired of playing. I'm tired of, you know, having to manage everything. And I, I just was feeling, you know, I know I've used the word before I was feeling defeated. And Pam was like, come on, Allie, come on. And um, I forget, you know, doing the day-to-day operations of the restaurant. I forget how cool, like, the history and the legacy of the Daniel Packer Inn, you know, really is. And so she helped by um, forming an essay, which I um, kind of edited it and, you know, put it more into my own words. And then we submitted that as well as a small video and then within like a couple of days we had one of their producers email me back and say hey you know we'd like some more information and we gave them more information and then they wanted me to do a video basically um, talking about the things in the essay that we had submitted so Dave could review the video So I did a five minute long video and explain, you know, who we are as DPI, um, how we fit into the community and why I would be very appreciative if um, they chose us so we could keep on keeping on, you know? And they did. And they, I mean, smart move on their part.
1: Obviously. (laughs) No, no,
2: I truly, I really, truly am like grateful i i kind of hate the term like oh i feel blessed but you know (laughs) uh, did did
1: you hashtag it just don't hashtag i
2: didn't I, i won't yeah i won't yeah yeah don't do that um but no it 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 feels good um it feels good knowing that you know people on a local level and people on a national level you know really are trying to come together and you know help everyone in our country yeah so
1: and also like what you just said earlier like when you're in the middle of it and you're just in in the trenches every day and you're like you you go and you unlock the door you go and you go do your routine it's like you're yeah you're in the restaurant you're in the restaurant but it's it's i'm sure it's it's easy to just forget about the the, like you said the legacy and the history of the place because you're just in it all the time
2: so i make an effort um you know instead of just kind of beelining it to my office all the time I make an effort to go and stand in different places and look out different windows and sometimes just stand outside of the building and just kind of, you know, appreciate, you know, the history and appreciate, you know, what other people see instead of always seeing what I see from the inside yeah. out. Is know? it is
1: it an emotional place for you? Do you ever get like, you know... I'm not trying, trying to make you cry. Or anything, don't but worry, I, mean, I don't cry. Good, I can tell. I yeah. know that about you. Like, Challenge accepted. <laughs> I will cry at the drop of a hat on the other hand. Um, I was crying right before you got here. But, <laughs> we, yeah, we we have a little cry session yeah. before yeah. most of the podcast. We it gets usually, us in the right place. Yeah, it gets us, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I mean, do you, is there something there? I mean, where you like every now and then you go, wow, this is actually really kind of special and cool, what I, what, what what this is
2: i do i do i have those those moments like geez you know i am i am pretty fortunate and uh she
1: almost it, said blessed
2: no i didn't i didn't <laughs> hashtag no i didn't yeah <laughs> um no i uh what's funny is so many other people i think get more um like territorial of dpi like even more so than i do like i find it hilarious like people you know like this is my bar stool this is my bar like they get so what's the other word like not so territorial but there's another word like where they possess yeah Yeah, that's the word yeah there's they and i just laugh i like i'm like maybe i lack emotion i don't know (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny people just like love it.
1: Yeah, you don't lack emotion. You just have a uh, you're able to compartmentalize oh, it and okay. put it over yeah. here, you know, and then care. Thank there. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, what we like to do before we let you go is uh, something called the lightning round. All right. Are you ready for this? So we're just going to ask you some questions. Sure. You fire them right back at us. Okay. First thing that comes to your mind. Don't think too much about them. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First question. What's your poison?
2: Tequila.
0: Nice one. Who's your first celebrity crush?
1: And you can't say Mark or Rich. Simon Rex. <laughs> really? Oh.
2: Dirt Nasty. Yeah. Wow. He wasn't oh. Dirt Nasty then. He's Simon <laughs> Rex. But yeah.
1: Do you know who that is? <laughs> no. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. All right. Look, you lightning, round, a lightning round. Lightning <laughs> round. Visit guest spot two for you. We'll, we'll go into that one. <laughs> Question number three. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is?
2: A pretty awesome young lady. Mm,
1: nice. All right. What's the best age?
2: I'm going to say 37.
0: <laughs> That's f-
1: <laughs> very
0: specific. I just so happen to be... No. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I'm- I
1: was 37. once. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I was 37 for three years.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, which famous horse is your favorite? It can be fictional. It can be a real horse, doesn't matter.
2: Oh man, um, I would say Ruffian, who was a uh, a race horse, and she was the only filly to race amongst um, colts. Oh. And she actually broke both of her legs running, and just was running and running. And they, she ended up, I believe, winning the race. But they had to put her down. Wow, she was very passionate.
1: What was the name?
2: Ruffian. Oh. R-U-F-F-I-A-N. A Little dark. Sorry, that was a little dark.
1: No, not at all. I okay. think um, it's like not you only your favorite, possibly your spirit animal.
2: Possibly, yes. You know? I, I, I do. You know, feel that way sometimes where I run and run and run. So far, I haven't been hobbled though. So that's good.
1: No, we won't. No
2: no misery. No misery here. (laughs) All
0: right. So the rest of your life, you can only pick one skiing
1: or boating?
2: Boating. Boating.
1: Okay. Last question You win an Academy Award. Where do you keep it?
2: Next to all my other awards.
1: Great answer. Come
0: what a on. dumb question. <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, the, in the awards room. yeah, yeah. In, the, in the awards wing. <laughs> in the trophy yeah. case, dumbass. Uh, God, did we learn one there. <laughs> yeah, okay. we did. All right. Well, well no. um, I, I guess, uh, should we wrap it up? I, I think we're going to have to wrap big, it up. Big thank you to you, Allie. Great uh, great, having you. great having you. This
1: was great conversation. I really it enjoyed it. Really it was. Lots of fun. Thank yeah. Thanks for doing this. Good. I told you you were ner- a little nervous. So. I was nervous. And? Are you still nervous?
2: No, I wasn't nervous. As soon as I saw you when you opened the door, see, yeah, I, I was you. like, "Oh,
1: I get that
0: same feeling yeah. when I see him."
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, not many people do. You guys are some of the few. Yeah. But I'm like, glad.
0: why are these cops has Oh, there's Mark. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm not nervous anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's because I look like a Muppet. All right, well, uh, you listeners out there, thanks for listening um, to another episode. Don't forget, uh, feel free to reach out, send us your ideas, suggestions. Uh, you know, pretty much anything. Our email is two
1: guys on bi at gmail.com. Yeah, don't forget to follow us on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and kind of Twitter, I guess, but yeah. whatever. And uh, uh, tell your friends about us, the tell more the your merrier. Friends. Yeah, like if you're having a dinner party or a cocktail party or if you decide to go visit the DPI for dinner and you're all sitting around looking for something to chat about, tell them how much you love Two Guys on Block or if you only have one friend, just tell them. Yeah, tell that person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. All right. See ya. Hey, Rich. I noticed you're drinking Gatorade Zero. Yeah. Is that because you're training for the Block Island Triathlon? I am, but only one third of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, which, which the, the part where you drink Gatorade? Pretty much. You know, when they run by and you grab the cup. Yeah. I'm
0: just gonna do that part. Grab the cup. Make sure I can down
1: it. I'll be in the I'll be in the crowd rooting for you. Man.
0: You can give out the cups. Okay.
1: What shall we do with a drunken sailor? What shall we do with a drunken sailor? What shall we do with a drunken sailor? We're dying of horny.